Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. What a great day, amen. Have you ever played Guess Who? Do you remember when you were younger? I don't know, is Guess Who still around? It's probably some digital form that someone can hack and you kill someone. But it, uh, today, when I was a kid, it was an innocent game that you just flick these little faces over and they'd all be sitting in front of you and you'd be like, does it have a mustache? Does it have glasses? Is it a she? It's my maths teacher. Okay, so you know, you'd kind of work through who is the person. And, and, and today I wanna play a bit of a guess who. I wanna say some names. I wanna say some descriptions of a certain person and let's see if you can guess who it is. A gardener, a stolen body, a naive traveller, a ghost, a fraud, John West. Do you know who I'm talking about? I'm gonna show you in a moment, don't give it away. Sean said it on the front row, but she knows the answer. Who I'm talking about today? What I wanna show you today in just a few moments is that the disciples had no clue, although they should have, and did not believe although they could have, that Jesus was going to rise again. They didn't realise what we are celebrating today on Resurrection Sunday, that death couldn't hold Him down, that He rose again so we can live and have life forevermore. They never even thought it would be a possibility. But it wasn't because Jesus didn't warn them. Let me make a case today that Jesus made it very clear to the disciples He was going to rise again. So we're gonna start in the book of Luke and Jesus has just fed the 5,000. And we'll put the verse up on the screen and I won't read all of it. He talks about the Son of Man, referring to Himself as gonna suffer a lot of things. And I'm gonna get to the end and He makes it clear, He must be killed and on the third day, say it with me, be raised to life. So Jesus is laying and making it very clear. He then takes them to a mountain to give them revelation. It's the Mount Transfiguration. He takes them to this mountain and there, in all of his, before He goes in all of His glory, He talks to them in Mark chapter eight and He tells them again, the Son of Man is gonna suffer a whole lot of things. But then He finishes with, He must be killed and read it with me and after three days, rise again. The disciples are a little bit slow and they've been on the water for a long time. So he just wants on the way down from the mountain to make it extra clear what's going to happen. So it says in Mark chapter nine now, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. And after three days, he will rise. Well, just in case the boys don't get it really, really clear, he's now on the way to Jerusalem and this is where everything is going to happen. But he wants to make sure they understand the mission of why they're going to Jerusalem. This time it's not just for the Passover, it's not just a boys trip, he's going to Jerusalem for a purpose. And in Luke chapter 18, he then says, we're going to Jerusalem because everything they've written about me is gonna be fulfilled. He'll be delivered over to the Gentiles and now he makes it really clear. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him, they will flog him and kill him. And read this with me, on the third day, he will rise again. So you would think that after this, all the disciples that were in close proximity to Jesus, the disciples who heard the intimate revelations of Jesus more than anyone, the disciples that were note-taking like all of you are note-taking today as I preach, they were getting this down in writing. The disciples, you don't have to pretend, the disciples, 
that, that were there, t- there around Jesus would have caught what was going to happen. But no, they didn't believe. But you know who did believe something would happen? The religious believers, the religious leaders, not the believers. The religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees of the day, they thought something would happen. His friends didn't, but his enemies did. Let me show you. In the early hours of the Sabbath, the very religious leaders that protected the Sabbath and made sure no one ever worked or walked or went too far to have discussions, went to visit Pilate. They broke their own laws. They were so worried that Jesus, what Jesus said about the third day would come true. And it says this in Matthew 27. They said, well, they talked to Pilate. We're looking at the, the Easter resurrection story here. We remember that while he was still alive, Jesus, the deceiver said, Say it with me, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Not forever, just till the third day. Something's gonna happen on the third day. Otherwise, His disciples will come and steal the body and tell people that He's been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. In the history of the world, only one tomb has ever had a giant rock rolled in front of it to stop the dead person from getting out. In all of history, there has ever been one tomb that has had a guard put in front of it and a seal on the rock to make sure that the person that's passed away doesn't sneak out during the night. And that is the tomb of Jesus Christ. I mean, what could be more crazy than soldiers and large rocks watching over a dead man's tomb? But this is the power of what Jesus had. They said He was dead. They knew He was dead. They tested that He was dead, yet they were nervous that something was gonna happen on the third day. They said He wouldn't rise again. He shouldn't rise again. Surely He couldn't rise again. Could He? Oh, that's right, you know the end of the story. (laughs) They called Him a liar. But what if He wasn't? They They remembered that Jesus referred to His body as the temple that they would destroy it and on the third day, He would rebuild it. They remembered that Jesus compared Himself to Jonah who went in the belly of a whale for three days. And in the same way, the Son of Man would go into the belly of the earth for three days, but three days later, He would come out of it. They remembered that Isaac was told to sacrifice his son and went on a three-day journey. But three days later, God provided a way out. They were worried like Egypt was covered in unnatural darkness for three days and then the light came. On the third day, light was going to enter into the the world and they knew that if Jesus rose from the dead or if the Word got out there that Jesus had risen, this would change everything for all time. There was just something about the third day. And what is so amazing and the challenge I wanna give us today is that this attention to detail about the resurrected Christ was given by His enemies and not by His friends who didn't think it could happen. Didn't think it could happen. 
Jesus appears many times to the disciples after he rises again. However, in those early days, it is really clear none of them thought that Jesus was going to rise again. They just simply didn't believe. Let me show you. The first one we see in the story here around Resurrection Sunday is of course Mary. And Mary is going to the tomb and it tells us that she is weeping. Not weeping for joy, because this is the day that Jesus ah, comes out. No, she's weeping because he is dead. She has brought spices, not to make a celebratory ragout. She's brought spices to anoint the dead body. And on the way there, there is an earthquake. And then she gets there and the tomb is rolled away. And then on top of this, the tomb is not rolled away. That's a big, that's not true. It's a stone. The stone is rolled away. And sitting on the stone is an angel. And the angel tells her, we read this. The angel says, hey, he is not here. He is risen. Go and tell the other disciples. And she runs to the other disciples, but she doesn't tell them Jesus is written. Let's put it up on the screen. What does she say? She says, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. The earthquake, the stone, the, and, and doesn't believe that he's risen. So then John writes about how he and Peter run to the tomb and John's young, so he makes sure we know several times that he got there fast because he's the fastest runner. And they look inside the tomb, but they don't believe Jesus has risen either. They think it is a stolen body. So then Mary lingers at the tomb a little while and she is grieving and weeping and having a conversation with Jesus himself because all she can see is her grief and all she can think of is her pain. She doesn't realise that she is speaking to the resurrected Christ and she simply thinks that he is a gardener. We then go on a little bit and there's these two people walking down the road to a place called Emmaus. And they're on the way to Emmaus and they're having a conversation for hours with Jesus about Jesus. And how sad they are that Jesus has died. They are grieving and talking about Jesus when the one they are seeing and the one they are talking to and the one they are hearing is Jesus, but they don't realise it. And Jesus is spending hours explaining how the prophetic words in all of Scripture are being fulfilled in Him. And all they think is this is a naive traveller. Well, we go on to an upper room where all the disciples are now hanging out and the doors are locked because they have fear for their life. And Jesus suddenly appears in the room. He doesn't knock, he doesn't unlock the doors, he appears and the disciples while filled with awe believe that it's a ghost and he has to convince them that he is alive by eating fish. He's eating fish to convince them that he is alive. I mean, they still don't believe it. So they now go and convince Thomas because Thomas isn't there. And Thomas is like, I can't believe it's true. And they're like, remember he told us? And then there was like the ghost and the earthquake and the man. And, and now the room and, and he's like, I don't believe it. And Jesus is like, okay, Thomas, put your hand in here and your hand in here because Thomas thought he was a fraud. And then after all of that, the boys go fishing and they're there fishing and they catch nothing all night. And they catch nothing. And, and then some guy appears on the beach and says to them, hello boys, have you caught anything? And they're like, no. And he's like, 
throw your nets on the other side. Classic Jesus move, right? And they throw the nets on the other side and they get an enormous fish. And the Bible indicates none of them realise it's Jesus until John goes, it's the Lord. And then Peter throws off his clothes and jumps in the water and swims to shore. I reckon when he got to the shore, he thought, I wish I didn't throw off my clothes. But, but they don't realise or think at any point that Jesus would actually rise again. They thought it was John West providing an enormous amount of fish. Here's what happened and here's what I wanna show you today. They believed in Jesus, but they didn't believe Jesus. He said again to a room full of believers. They believed in Jesus, but they didn't fully believe Jesus. What's amazing is the disciples were constantly amazed at Jesus. Surprised at His wisdom. Surprised when He walked on water. Surprised at His provision. Surprised when the storm stopped. Surprised at His miracles. But when the storms did come and the opposition did come and now the trauma and disappointment did come and the delay and death did come, they couldn't see past their problems and their grief. He said he would die and rise again. So when the angels appear in Mark 16, verse six, they say, don't be alarmed. We could better translate this to say, why are you surprised? Why are you surprised? Can I say something to a room full of believers? As Christians, we shouldn't be surprised when cancer gets healed. As Christians, we shouldn't be surprised when a barren womb now holds a child. As Christians, we shouldn't be surprised when a supernatural job is provided. As Christians, we shouldn't be surprised when a turnaround comes again and God opens a door because when He can do what He said He can do, when He is who He said that He is, we don't just believe in Jesus, we have to start to believe Jesus. Here's my message today. Don't just believe in God, it starts there. But believe God. Don't just believe in Jesus, but believe Jesus. Salvation is the doorway to a supernatural, resurrected, impossible life. Hope is that the impossible becomes my reality and I expect it to speak it into being and believe it because He is God. He is the creator of heaven and earth. He is my resurrected King. And while I believe in Him, I also believe Him. So Jesus said in Mark chapter nine to a father that was asking the question, if you believe, all things are possible for one who believes. Mark 11 says, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, say it with me, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Come on, we're gonna turn this into a prayer meeting at the end of today. I believe miracles are gonna happen today. People are gonna get set free today. I believe there's gonna be supernatural healing in wombs here today. I believe that there's gonna be deaf ears open today. I believe that there's gonna be supernatural provision today. Because God can do what He said He will do. Some of the miracles, some of us believe in miracles, but we've stopped believing for miracles. Catch it today, it seems simple, but it's not as easy to live out. Some of us believe in revival, but we're not believing for revival. Some of us believe in healing, but we're not believing for healing. Some of us believe God does speak, but we don't believe He will speak to you. Because if we really believed what Jesus said, we wouldn't worry like we do. I'm speaking to myself today. 
I went and just was praying around this, this week and God said, hey, let's talk about you, Josh. I'm like, oh, okay. Why do I take control like I do and try work it out on my own if I really believe what Jesus says? Why am I a control freak? Why do I have to know the answers? Why do I have to have the timing? Why do I have to think God has to move when I tell Him to move? If I really believe what Jesus says. I think sometimes, personally, I delay God's possible because I've figured He's done something else, so I'm gonna solve it on my own. And just like the disciples, if I'm honest, today we kind of look at them and cast a judging eye, but the reality is it's us too, because some of us have moved on from the possible of God because we decided that that dream or miracle or promise has died. We've moved on to other things. For some of us, we've already justified why God didn't do what He said He would do in our head. Like the disciples justified what happened. Some of us are still mourning our past that we're not actually realising that God's got a great future right in front of us. And you know what's amazing? Is Jesus understands their doubt. He understands why they doubted. He made us. He's not judging us, but He does correct them. He understands but corrects them. Let me show you what He says to Thomas when Thomas now needs evidence. Because Jesus has shown who He is over and over again. It now says on the screen that He said to Thomas, Put your finger here, he understands. See my hands. Reach out and put your hand into my side, he understands. But here comes the rebuke. He says, stop doubting and believe. It's a word for someone today. He understands why you've wondered. He understands why you've doubted. He understands why you've solved it in your own mind. He understands why you've justified why it's happened. You're human. He came as both God and man and understands what you go through. But there comes a time where He says, stop doubting and believe because He is a God of resurrection. He is a God of new beginnings. He's a God of new days. And if He can rise from the tomb, if death itself can't hold Him back, why do we doubt? Why do we question? Why do we wonder? Why do we worry? Why do we look to the left and the right? Why do we justify? If in my heart I know that He is resurrected, I have to stop doubting and believe. And maybe today I'm being a bit hard on them. Maybe I'm being hard on the disciples and I should because The truth is, no one had ever truly resurrected before. I mean, Jesus had risen some people from the dead, but they died eventually again, more like a resuscitation. But what we see here in this new life is that this resurrected body wouldn't die again, but now would live forevermore. Jesus understood that they had never seen this before, but when they did see it, What did Mary say? She was like, teacher, and she went to cling to him. When when the people with the road to Emmaus, when they saw it, they said, didn't our hearts burn? It wasn't heartburn. Didn't our hearts burn with wonder? It says when he appeared in the upper room and they realised they were filled with wonder and joy. When Thomas realised, he says, my Lord, my God, And when John realises it's Jesus, he says, it's the Lord. You see, it wasn't just that they had a reaction when they realised Jesus was who He said He was. It's that they changed. Can I show you this? And just the keys can come. They went from being disciples to believers. It changed. Suddenly, we were known as 
believers. Because when you believe in the impossible, when you believe in the unlikely, when you believe in what's only God, that changes you forever. You see, it wasn't just the cross, although it is enough. It wasn't just the cross that changed them. They ran after the cross. They still had doubts after salvation. They still had their flesh in them. But when they had a revelation of Easter Sunday, of the empty tomb, of the resurrected Christ, they went from followers, they went from disciples to believers. Nothing ever was the same again after Sunday. And it was from that point, they were willing to go and preach and die for the Gospel because they knew the power of a resurrected God. The resurrection, come on, the resurrection changes who we are. Now let me talk to us today. Here is our advantage. We know. Come on. Do you know that Jesus has risen again? Do you know that the tomb is empty? Do you know that He took the keys of sin and death away? Do you know that He is alive forevermore? Do you know that Sunday changes everything? Well, we're not learning this for the first time. We know we should be the one that even in difficulty and even in hopelessness and even in the waiting, that our hearts burn and we're filled with wonder and joy, that amongst all the things that vie for our attention, that He is the one we cling to, that we say, my Lord, my God, that whenever I face something and I don't know the answer, I just stand there and say, it's the Lord. And I might not know the answer, but it's the Lord. And I may not have a good report, but it's the Lord. I've got to be the one that knows, not just believes, not just follows, not just attends but I have to be a believer. You see, if He can rise again, He can heal. Come on, someone needs to agree with that today. If He can rise again, He can heal. If He can find a way out of that tomb, can He not get you out of your circumstances? If He can beat death, can He not beat what you are facing? Impossible is not impossible for Him. And therefore, the impossible of God is the supernatural possibility that you can live in. So what is God expecting from us? Simply to believe and respond. To believe and respond. This is why Sunday changes things because we don't just celebrate a resurrected Christ. Although we celebrate and we sing and we give thanks, we now have the opportunity to believe. We may not get what we want right now, but you, do you think he, He'll fail? He won't. Do you think He'll forget? He won't. Do you think He'll hide? He won't. Do you think He'll leave you abandoned? He won't. That even when they thought on Easter Saturday that He had left them, abandoned them, and death had defeated them, Jesus always went to the tomb. He never let death defeat Him. He willingly went to death knowing that He would have power to conquer it. So therefore, would He allow anything to overcome you? No way. He's already taken the authority away from the enemy. He's already taken away the victory from the devil. He's already taken away the power of sin, sickness, and death, therefore all things are possible through Christ for you. So when I see Jesus, when I remember Jesus today, everything should change. Everything should change. It wasn't a guaranteed 
promise of a perfect life. He spoke into that before he went to the cross. But he said, take heart, for I have overcome the world. I've overcome whatever you face. You can see the problems or you can see Jesus. And today is just a realignment. Because you look at the disciples and I can actually relate to the disciples. But I know what they didn't know. I know that it's over, that it's finished, that He rises again. So if I just keep praising, I just know He'll keep healing. That if I just keep declaring, I know He'll keep moving. That if I know I keep listening, He'll keep speaking. That if I keep looking, He'll keep leading. That if I keep thanking, He'll keep providing. And if I keep believing, I know He'll be faithful. Today, you don't lose your hope. Today, continue to believe in the God who brings dead things back to life and creates new things out of nothing. Today, if something in your life has died, there is resurrection power that is here for you. If there is literally nothing, if there's not the answer yet, He is a God that makes something out of nothing. There is unlimited power that is available for those that are powerless. There is hope and direction for those that are directionless. He is life to those that have lost their life. And everything that Jesus conquered in that tomb now is handed to us through Christ. All we have to do is believe. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes in my past and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace and the love of God comes into your life. 
You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace and the word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey. Why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you. And we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.